you have tuned into Surviving Fundamentalism, a podcast with Richie X, where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, you most likely mm, probably will have a problem with this shit here. But it's okay. It's okay. Grab you a little wine for the stomach's sake. Tap in. Tune in. Let's have a good time. This is the day. This is the day that we have been given. That we have been given. I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And be glad in it. Oh, this is the day that we have been given. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day that we have been given. Hi, everybody. You all know this is Surviving Fundamentalism with the right Reverend Richie X, and I'm back. I'm back. It's been a few weeks. I've had a lot going on. I've had some job interviews uh, for uh, different positions uh, within the government and... I've been successful with that, starting a new, um, whole new career field, whole different ball game, um, needs being met, amen, come on somebody, um, I have ADHD, I've been on vacation, I've been, been around the world and I, I, no, I'm not gonna sing the other one, I'm gonna try to, try to keep it in line, I told y'all this mic, this mic, I'm still getting used to it, this mic, uh, the way it just sits up. You know, sometimes I feel like T.D. Jake. Sometimes I feel like Tom Joyner. Uh-huh. And then sometimes I feel like singing. Amen. Um, but I won't sing y'all's ear off because a, a singer like me can just sing. Just keep going and going. But um, I'm glad to be back. And I'm glad there, you know, there's hopefully been some patience. Um, You know, the world is still crazy. <laughs> the world is still crazy. We're still in a global pandemic. Um, I believe we're up to... Over 750,000 people in America have died from the pandemic, um, from, from COVID-19, complications of COVID-19. It's, it's, been, it's been a rough year, almost two years. Yeah, it's been a rough, wow. And, um, but here we are once again back in your ears come on somebody i'm glad i'm so grateful for all of you all that listen and continue to listen and i hope that you tell a friend um at you know and uh, more specifically i was going to have um someone that i've become cool with a young man named christian um who is a TikToker uh, who often discusses his own thought process um, as he is um, processing his own deconstruction. He's a full-time student at a Christian university. His father's a minister. Um, and, you know, he's learning and discussing as he's learning. And I was going to have him on. His schedule was a little complicated. Um, <laughs> my ADHD got the best of me. Um, I'm also writing... Uh, and like I said, I've been away for the last two weekends, so we're back. We're back though. Um, and you know, a couple of weeks ago where we last left off, we were discussing the importance of redefining our faith and what that means. You know, it could mean something for everybody else, for everybody, right? It could be some people, you know, remain these very liberal followers of, of, uh, Christianity, you know, maybe end up at affirming churches, um, you know, some spectrum of belief, right? You know, some people I know have gone to the Orthodox Church. Some people I know have gone to um, the Quakers. Other people like myself have become universal, Unitarian Universalist. Um, and, you know, and, and so there's so many different routes that people take in their process of deconstruction. Some people become flat-out atheists and... Um, you know, complete non-believers and don't want anything at all to do with religion, which I understand. Um, and I've been there at different points in my life. Um, but, you know, we talked about redefining, you know, faith for ourselves. A lot of the major portions of Christianity, which we'll get into uh, later. Um, 
in the show, we talked about redefining the divine and what that meant for us with God. Uh, the divine being love, being breath, being spirit, um, the Ruach, pure and whole. And, and, and we talked about redefining sin um, for ourselves and, and, and what that looked like for us. And for us, it was uh, shame and guilt and self-denial and selfishness and um it was anything that we do that is not done in the spirit of love towards other people right it was it was it was you know we know sin means to miss the mark so to miss the mark of love essentially is what we're redefining sin as and, and you can go back and listen to um the most recent episode before this one and um really dive into that i think there's a lot there it's called um i believe it's called a, um seeing god is seeing you right and finding the depth the depths of self and self and 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 re when you begin to see you differently you will begin um inevitably to see god differently and when god looks differently f for you then you are no longer um submitting and serving and being tortured by this um extreme extremely jealous uh monstrous uh damning shame shame shaming god force that often comes with uh christian uh fundamentalism right and so that's where we are shifting our view and beginning to see the divine as the fulfillment of love and to see the divine's involvement with us, the known beyond the known, as already being a part of us, already being in us, already wanting to work through us and bring us to a place of wholeness and fulfillment, right? And 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 directing our steps in that. And when we are fully conscious and knowing um of, of this thing within us. Um, and, 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 and this, this, this force of love and humanity, right? We want to, we then become fully conscious and aware of other people's humanity and we become uh, full of grace and our grace becomes sufficient for, for others, but it must first become sufficient for ourselves. So, um, are we, are we treating ourselves like, are we giving to ourselves that which we would expect a God to give to us? Um, and that's really, really where we're on. We're still on this journey. We're still on this journey. And, and so I wanted to just, again, welcome back. Um, and I hope you all will still be with us and um, that we'll continue on this journey of, of deconstruction. And I would love to have uh, more voices and more people on who I've experienced life with and experienced my own particular journey of deconstruction with as time goes on and, and to really share this space and open this space for a very, very healthy conversation around um, healing, you know? And so I want to move on to our clips of the week. We have two this week. They are, um, they really do go hand in hand. Um, So we're going to get to those. Here's our first clip. What's a hill that you're willing to die on a thousand percent of the time? A lot of Christians, especially in the evangelical context, are followers of Paul and not Jesus. A biblical scholar named Carla Wirtz wrote in her book that Paul does not have a reputation for caring about the least of these. In the evangelical context, Paul's letters are the ones most often used to justify homophobia and transphobia. They're definitely used to uphold patriarchal norms. They're also used to discourage critical thinking and to condemn people whose education has transformed their beliefs. Paul's letters were also used to rationalize and sustain slavery in the American context. And yet it is Paul who is the church's favorite Christian. You don't find that suspicious. And now on to our second clip, which is... I feel like what Paul did, whether it was intentional or not, he really removed the history of the Jewish people. Everything that they did was because of something they had went through with their God. And he was kind of erasing all those important parts by saying, well, you didn't need to pay attention to that anymore because all that stuff was a curse. 
Yahweh's laws are too hard, and that's why Jesus has come to rescue us from those curses. Anybody who is familiar with the Torah would know that is absolutely blasphemous. Paul was such a narcissist, he was going into the synagogue and telling people how they should believe and that he had the correct way. I mean, dude wasn't even a prophet. Dude never even met Jesus. Dude was a rich guy who worked for the government. Dude cold-blooded murder people. Paul was not a change man. He never addressed any of his issues. <laughs> And so we have this conversation, right, that's happening about Paul. Um, and um, really, essentially, <laughs> the first of all, first of all, the, the, those are just, uh, just loaded the way that, you know, and we talk about this, right? We talk, we've talked about this in our biblical uh, literalism uh, episodes that we did in the past. We talked about how, um, fundamentalists are kind of uh, taking these texts literal out of context, and 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 so the way is being made for uh, the Pauline epistles, right, to come along. He only wrote about seven of them. If you really want to know, you can Google that. Scholars believe that he only wrote about seven of them. Um, and other ones were attributed in later times with different ideas, but they use Paul's name because of the authority that it held. And so, but what we find in these Pauline epistles, it, it, we were set up, <laughs> you know, like we was, it was a setup for this coming all the way from the, uh, book that's called Matthew, right? That's attributed to Matthew. Um, and what we're finding is. Uh, I don't know if you all can hear that. There's a plane flying over my house. But what we are finding in the book of Matthew, right, is him, them trying to, the difference, right, is is them using this sort of Old Testament text, right, to, to bring in the, this idea. We talked about this with Matthew, right, that, 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 that God can bring, um, that which is unpure through that which is holy through something that is unholy, right? Or unpure, right? We see that, that sort of being the message of Matthew in, to, from the beginning, from the genealogy, you know, the way that it's set up, it, it, there is a greater point there. The way that the Beatitudes are kind of given, this is, a, this is like, oh, um, it's it's not really doing away with the old thing, but it is an addition to, right? And then we have Paul that comes along and sort of has these ideas. And so, um, and we see how that, those ideas are really, 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 um, they come from a staunch sort of um, idea of the uh, original, um, text the laws right you know like uh sis was saying that um uh uh that, that paul paints this idea of the jews um that is you know just just very radical and, and it definitely takes away um the context with which um all of the reasons why the jews kind of do what they do and really brings about this legalistic fundamentalist fundamentalist viewpoint of his God, because I, I believe that that's the way that Paul saw himself, right? Um, I have a I'm, I have a book here called Rescuing the Bible from Fundamentalism, A Bishop Rethinks the Meaning of Scripture by John Shelby Spong, rest in peace, he recently passed. And we did the biblical literalism uh, special, and that was with a lot of uh, information from him. But in this book, um, he talks about um, Paul's influence in, he says, Paul was, was powerful, was a powerful shaping influence on Christianity. There is no doubt. Uh, there was also no doubt, but that he was passionate, specific, complex, emotional, frail, and controversial, self-centered and human. Um, and we, I mean, we see it all in, we see it all in the scripture. Um, and so, uh, Shelby Spong says, uh, 
the Jews had survived the traumas of their national history by developing a powerfully protective shell that secured them against any alien or hostile world. In the service of that shell, they had constructed interpretive layers that justified the stance of isolation. Jews did not eat, intermarry, fraternize, or worship with Gentiles. Such practices as circumcision, dietary regulations, and Sabbath observations set off the Jewish people from the world as distinct, unique, and even odd. Thus, separatism also served the Jews' survival needs and kept them alive as a recognizable ethnic group. The binding force of the Jewish identity was the Torah. And so we have Paul, who's a Jewish teacher, uh, named Paul of Tarsus. He uh, moves outside this defining religious system and begins to question it in the light of a different experience. He loosed the fear, anxiety, insecurity, and national pride and immense hostility that ultimately cost him his life. Before he died, however, he had built a new structure that possessed Jewish roots, but that also opened his followers to the startling possibility of a universal community, right? So we have Paul doing all these things. Um, and so I, I don't believe that Paul ever knew that his... his uh, books or things would be used as the sort of like as scripture right but it was and i think paul was a man that was uh battling really this sort of um complexity this complexity the way of being um that i think many of us who are in legalism or have been a part of fundamentalism uh struggle with right this sort of rudimentary uh uh, uh staunch idea uh and view of god right and paul was battling with that right where he is still trying to define all these things within all these rules and things and ideas and that he wants to do that he that that should be used to keep order um but he is also still trying to 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 discuss his own feelings of inferiority and these wrongs that he does and the way that he feels about himself, right? Paul has a really warped view of self, right? Where he's like, oh, wretched man that I am, for who shall deliver me? And so, you know, from this body of death. And so Paul, Paul really is down on himself about all that he believes he should be doing and all that he feels like he can't do and how much he keeps fucking up, right? And so um, the Shepherd Spong in this book has some very, very interesting um, ideas about who Paul might have been. Um, and I think it's it's worth reading um, and, and, and looking into because Paul really struggles a lot. And I think that identity um, comes in so many ways into the fundamentalist church. Um, but we all know that there's a lot of cherry picking that happens, right? Because, because people are using, many people are using the gospel, not even the gospel, but using these sort of, these sort of Pauline moments, this sort of Pauline energy, this sort of never enough for this God energy, um, as, as a tool to, to compel, um, to keep and maintain control over the believers. Right. And so, so here Shelby Spong says, um, uh, when one discovers religious in intensity, this pronounced one certainly must look at what personal needs are being satisfied, thus fueling the zeal of religious devotee. Since Paul's religion gave him a sense of identity and meaning, one wonders what the source of the anxiety was that this imposed identity kept in check or where the lack of self-worth came from that made the imposed meaning so powerful. Paul covered his insecurity with an exaggerated need to excel. There was, in Jewish folklore, a tradition that if one Jewish male could keep the entire Jewish law for one 24-hour period, the kingdom of God would come. 
Paul was so constituted that it would occur to him to think that he might be the one. He would, he will, we will examine this aspect of Paul in detail later. And then Shelby goes on to talk about how Paul, his security and identity issue um, was so severe that he uh, responded by becoming a persecutor of the original Christian movement. Um, persecution is always revealing. One does not persecute something that does not scare and it cannot scare unless it has an appeal. Conversion in such a person is always dramatic. <laughs> Me, child, I've been there uh, earlier. Com convictions passionately held cannot be passionately abandoned without a volcanic internal crisis. This, baby, this is Paul. Paul is a man of passion, power, commitment, and energy. Everything he does is over the top, which is why he was killing and beating and slaughtering Christians. Um, and, you know... Shelby goes on to, to talk about some more important things about Paul. I I, I want to move on, but I, I think this, this particular chapter was so interesting for me to read. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to read only the high, highlighted portions that I have here. But um, Paul was not a universal man, right? He was indeed a man of his times. For Paul, women were clearly inferior, yet he could say, in Galatians, that in Christ there is neither male nor female. And these words occur in his powerful argument to demonstrate the inclusiveness of all people, especially the Gentiles. Um, but then Paul goes along and says, you know, he wanted to demonstrate that, that especially the Gentiles in the Christian movement and that in Christ there is neither slave nor free. The fact remains that Paul accepted uncritically the patriarchal attitude of his day toward women and the cultural reality of the institution of slavery. Paul wasn't married. He viewed women with some something less than enthusiasm. He justified his unmarried status on the basis of imminent apocalypse, basically. Um, the world's going to end anyway. He said it wasn't good for a man to touch a woman. A woman's hair fascinated him. He talked about how women need to have long hair. Um, that if a man had long hair, it degraded him for a man. It was degraded for a man, but a pride for a woman. He, uh, you know, he said, we recognize no other practice, nor do the churches of God. So, so Paul exhorted women to keep silent in churches and in all the churches of the saints, women were not permitted to speak. Um, Paul had a very interesting ideas. You know, he revealed himself as uncritically part of the patriarchal system that so informed the Hebrew scriptures. So Paul held a lot of those same ideas, even in his conversion. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, very interesting, you know, Paul's ideas about women and their place in society, his unwillingness or lack of desire for women. Right. Um, and it's just very, very, very interesting. Once again, this book that I'm uh, talking about uh, here is called Rescuing the Bible from Fundamentalism. Um, there's other things in here about Paul and um, the way that he uh, viewed himself and, and, and how that comes out in the way that he writes scriptures both about himself, what well, were not scriptures, writes letters both about himself and and about other people. Um, and I'm going to put a pin in this and we'll definitely uh, come back to it because it's certainly a conversation that we need to have. I think, think Shelby Spong makes some other suggestions about Paul. I hope I didn't get too deep into the concept of Paul. But yeah, Paul never saw Jesus. He never walked with him. He claims to have had a vision of Jesus and went up to the other apostles um, who had seen Jesus. But Paul just definitely takes a different spin, a different energy, and it ends up shaping shaping the idea of Christianity. I think more so because so much of his, his so much, and we, we've talked about this, the way in which that this religious dynamic connects with um, be becomes this sort of connection with, with the empire, um, that was Rome, 
and eventually becomes the religion of that space. And so much of it can be used as uh, um, giving a sort of authority, particularly when read and used out of context, right? Giving this sort of particular authority because we are the people of God, you know, uh, uh, we are a, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, Right, you know, because you you have been, uh, you know, Paul talked about in being engrafted in to the vine, to the tree, right? So you've been engrafted in. So you, these people, these because the Jews didn't believe is what what Paul talks about, right? Is that 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 these other God always had another people, a remnant of other people who would be willing to believe and they would be engrafted in where those who didn't believe um, had fallen away. And so that, you know, and that's what my sister was talking about when she was talking about how, um, uh, you know, Paul sort of just separates the idea of, of, of from Christianity itself from, um, the original way altogether and really begins the part where it loses its context, where it begins to lose its context. Um, and it became the parts of the scripture that are gravitated to just like, uh, my brother Donnell Wright says, um, you know, um, you know, it became the things, the tools with which people use now in fundamentalism to, um, to further disenfranchise people because Paul wasn't really, 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 really writing about the poor and really, really, so, so the message is lost essentially, right? The message becomes lost and yeah. (laughs) And so, uh, there you have it. Uh, sorry. I hope I didn't go in too much and bore you. Um, but I definitely want to come back to this. Like I said, uh, Bishop Spong makes a, um, has an interesting conversation about um, the way that Paul just shows up in the scripture and his issues with guilt and the body and what, what appears to be sexuality. Um, and so, you know, we'll make some assumptions. We'll have some conversations. And um, we'll definitely come back to that. That's Rescuing the Bible from Fundamentalism. All right. And we'll be back. After these messages, almost knock something down. <laughs> and we are back. We're back. I'm back. And it's time for deconstruction with the Reverend. That's me. And so we have been redefining God. We've been redefining what sin means for us. And now we're going to redefine some other aspects of belief that come with, um, being Christianity, being a Christian, right? There's, there's always, you know, on every church's website, there's always what we believe. And I thought it was important for me to do this for myself. Um, you know, as a card carrying member of the apostolic church, particularly the United Pentecostal church international, and then, you know, later on being a part of other, um, institutions that, you know, claim to follow the apostles doctrine. Um, I, uh, um, I've always went to church's websites and looked at their pages and found their beliefs in what they believe because I wanted to know if these people believed in baptism by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ, according to Acts 2.38. You know, I wanted to see if their doctrines aligned with what I was taught. And, and that would determine whether or not I was going to follow or like their stuff. Or It didn't matter. T.D. Jake, it didn't matter. I was going to everybody's church's websites and seeing what they believed. And I think in a way, though, what churches are saying when they do these things is like, this is our doctrine, right? This is what we follow. This is what we believe. This is where you can find it. And so what I wanted to do in this instance was 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 really write these things down and see what they would mean for me. 
What are these things for me? What does these things look like in my life going forward? And so we already discussed how I was redefining God and and how I was defining God for me, right? Not redefining God. I don't think I don't think God or the divine needs to be redefined, but we need to define these things for us so that we can can begin to navigate a new experience, a new light, a new life outside of the institution that was killing us. And and it's imperative I believe that we do that. So we did God, we did sin. So I want to redefine Jesus, right? Jesus can serve as a representative of the transformative power of love, right? Uh, Jesus can represent the new life, the life that we can have after we are immersed in that love. Yeah. Jesus is the revolution. He's the absolute he represents the revolution, the absolute change within us and the world around us. Jesus represents liberty, freedom from tradition. Jesus represents rebellion against the status quo, the divine spirit of love was able to use Jesus to challenge things like patriarchy, racism, sexism, and many other forms of depression. Jesus was despised and hated by his own people. He invited all the despised and poor people to come and dine at his table. Jesus was our example or can serve as an example of love and action. You know, when Jesus says, take the least of these, the least of those around you, the disabled, the crippled, the, the dis, well, I don't want to use the term crippled, but the dis, disabled, the all of those who are the least of these and bring them to me because I will dine with them. That's a symbol. That's a revolutionary. That's somebody who's changing the thing because the disabled were discarded and thrown away. The sex workers were discarded and thrown away. And today people want to evangelize to the sex workers, to the disabled, with the intent on trying to perform some kind of healing act on the disabled or, or, or to change completely the sex worker while not really doing the work to change the system, to fight the system. Because the system inevitably ends up helping the institution of the church and that's because the church ain't doing what it's supposed to do. It's not getting the least of these. The derelicts of society, the worst, the uneducated, and educating them. Going to get the people released from prison and giving them the money to pay the fees that they charge them people for their own parole. Helping prisoners and rape victims and, and people, but the church throws them away. The same as the people in the world do. The institution known as the Christian Evangelical Church is a piece of shit that has no desire to really go and get the least of these because that's not the goal. The goal is for some shoddy-ass preacher to be on a platform sucking the people dry while doing the job to help keep the people docile sweet in Jesus and low in power. These people got a sweet and low spirit. They sweet in Jesus and low in power. They ain't got no power. They ain't trying to shift or shake things. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get preachy there. But yes, Jesus can represent all of these things to us that those, the least of these, the despised of the society. Jesus can be an example of love in action. A great example of fearless love. Je the spirit of Jesus is, is, can be forever with us through, this, through the divine love, which wants to be at a seat within us, which wants to be in us, through us, working on us, and then helping us work and love and, and be good to other people. Jesus overcame the world in life and in death. 
and is and and can be seen as as the as the the energetic energy. I think of it as the way that like Malcolm X was bent on inspiring people, and how his spiritual energy is still around us. I don't think that energy dies, right? And I think that, like, in the ways that, like, Malcolm X and the way that, you know, the spirit of Malcolm is with you when you read uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X or when you watch the Malcolm X uh, movie uh, directed by Spike Lee uh, starring Denzel Washington, um, when you uh, watch things like the What Happened, Miss Simone, or you read uh, I Put a Spell on You, which is her autobiography, or you watch the Aretha movie, what you feel lingering in the music and the art and the speeches and the speeches of Huey P. Newton and Angela Davis. Angela Davis is still alive, but Huey P. Newton and those who existed in the time of the Black Panther Party, that spirit, that energy to affect change is still in the world. It did not die with Huey Newton. The energy of the impact is still here. And I think the energy, the spirit of the revolutionary that is that is it's called uh, Jesus or Yeshua is 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 still present and can serve as a guide to turning shit upside down. You feel me? The brown man from Galilee <laughs> can can really be um an emblem and, and 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 serve as a window through which we uh, 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 the, the way the truth and the life the way the truth and the life the way the truth and the life way truth life those things way way can serve as a path to 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 interrupting institutions that are meant to maintain a particular type of power and keep control to the point to where those of us who understand the art and act of revolution can overturn it. So maybe, maybe, and I'm not talking about creating revival. The church has had enough revivals and the church, the issue with the church is when it revives itself, it never fully deconstructs. So you've got all of these revivals and people become passionate, but it never fully deconstructs on the basis of humanity and the spirit of love. Because the institution is holding on to too much power and it's too powerful and it doesn't want to relinquish that power. So it never fully deconstructs and the institution remains the same. You can have a thousand Azusa streets. It's not fully deconstructing. You can have a thousand revivals. It's not deconstructing according to humanity, according to our humanness, our human existence. And that's why we keep going back into the same institution that only mirrors the toxicity of the white supremacist capitalist male patriarchy. That's the problem. But we have to begin to see ourselves through the revolutionary lens of what would be the Christ. The saving. What are we saving? What is saving us? What is working in us? We can have something actual, factual, and tangible, or we can have nothing. Have nothing. Because what is the, re the, what is the institution really doing? Oh, I know my daddy. My daddy go to church. My daddy, my daddy don't smoke crack no more. Okay, your daddy don't smoke crack no more. But the deacon still smoke crack in the back of the church. So, 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 so your daddy is one person who is choosing not to use. But is your daddy now using food? Is your daddy now using nicotine? Is your daddy now using coffee? Is your daddy now using some substance to replace the other addictions that he had? Is he now hiding himself and all of his emotions in, into something else because he no longer has crack? Are we really doing the work of love within ourselves and then towards other people? Because when we do, they'll change. And now, and, and, and so, so revival isn't enough. Deconstruction is all we have. And, and, and so I, I think that, 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 that having, um, that we can overcome the demons of self-hate, self-loathing, spite, jealousy, envy, shame, perversion, um, um, like, like a wicked style of lust, 
Um, th these things can be overcome by the acknowledgement of our humanity and the ability of uh, and our ability to love fully. Jesus helps us to realize our power to be free from addiction and worthlessness. A life lived in the spirit of the divine love gives us value and purpose. I think about this moment. I don't know why it keeps coming up, but I think it's coming up because it's important, right? Where this woman comes to Jesus for 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 healing. And Jesus essentially is is a racist and and calls the woman a dog. And she tells Jesus, but Uh, the dogs eat the crumbs that fall off the master's table. And Jesus then has to correct himself and he ends up healing the woman. Right. And this is the one uh, I've heard it said by Donnell that, that this is the, 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 the time that, that Jesus mm, sinned because people have always preached him as sinless, but her act of faith is, is to say that, and I believe that the work of divine love is constantly jolting us to be better when we let it. All we have to do is tap into it, is believe it. It is, it, it, and, and, and begin to do that work to uncover ourselves. And that we've been, now I'm not going to dive deeper into that, but, but, but I'm going to just stop here and take a note. Um, yeah, cause I'm gonna deal with something in the future, but, but, but Jesus, uh, makes us conquerors of self first and Jesus can serve as the manifestation of God's love and it's ever present when we are walking in that love toward one another. So that energy, right? That energy of the revolutionary Christ can, can, can be present. Um, redefining the Bible. We can see the Bible as written by men who are incited by their passion and traditions, holding stories of faith, often not historical at all, but holding many messages which can help and foster and reproduce faith. If only we can extract the dangerous nature of biblical literalism. The scriptures are meant to be read and shared in context, not in the spirit of literalism, which is without context. Redefining salvation. The acknowledgement that you have been living life out of balance and have yet to turn the light of self-love on inside of yourself. That's good. That's good. Once you acknowledge it, you turn all that love, mercy, and grace toward yourself and you do the messy work of healing and self-forgiveness. Then you work on turning that light of love toward the world. We are saved by the divine love and transformative spirit working in us and willing that we grow closer and stronger. That's a way to view salvation, right? Because salvation has always, for me, been seen as a thing outside of self. I've always looked at salvation as um, like, you know, because I came up, you know, repenting, being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you know, receiving the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Um, and then you were saved. You were born again, baptized of water and of spirit. And, um, and so that was salvation to me. And so now that I'm seeing this as like the acceptance that you're living your life out of balance, that, that you don't have self-love that you, you need to turn all that love and that mercy and that grace toward yourself and then work on turning it on to the world. You know, that is, 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 is salvation. The work of being saved, of saving, um, Baptism, a ritual cleansing done by an adult believer at will, um, symbolizing the work of love that had already begun inside and 
an earnest desire to walk in the newness of this love, saying I'm committed to love, right? This sort of washing of water, washing with water. We talked about sin already. Um, a, a new way of defining us. We were formed and evolved through the spirit of love. We were always here. We will always be here. We are ever evolving and changing forms. We were formed in the divine and released into the world as we know it and continue to produce while searching and aiming, knowing nothing but but being more selfish and conscious. I'm sorry, being more self-conscious. I don't know why I said that. Um, Being more self-conscious and self-aware than anything else that was evolved. This is where we are. This is us. This is... So I, I wanted to do this process because I think so many of us, we need we need things. We need to define. We need to redefine. We need to restructure um, our belief systems and our ideas about the way if we're going to survive and if we're going to heal and transition um, into a, a, a walk of love. And so I think I'm going to make some little things for this. Um, and maybe I'll put them up on the Instagram so that um, everyone can, you know, follow through. And, and you know, just have something written in front of them. Uh, yeah, so that's been our deconstructing segment. Um, I, I, I pretty much, so we usually do story time at this point. Um, and I think where I left off last was, uh, um, me discussing, uh, how 2018 was uh, pretty transformative for me and, uh, 2019, 2020, oh my God, 2020, especially, uh, really was the same for me. It's just, it's just, I kept evolving and kept renewing and kept understanding uh I, I really essentially kept redefining right um I guess one of the things that happened for me in 2018 was um defining these things these things that we've been talking about um, for myself, what these things meant to me, what did God mean, what did sin mean, what did, um, what was the purpose of salvation, what was baptism to me, what did all of these things look like, um, and I think it's been a more journey, a journey of coming into myself and what I would look like going forward. Um, I think I have been... Uh, constantly, um, I've constantly sort of, uh, I think when you come up in this very fundamentalist way, you tend to spend a lot of time questioning, you know, am I okay? Am I okay? Do I need more? And I talked a little bit before about the desire for community that, that constantly came up in me. Um, and, 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 and how I always felt compelled to go back and try to be a part of an institution. But whenever I did, it, it never felt the same because I wasn't the same and trying to exist in that world where none of those people really are like Christ or very few of them, if any, um, in Christ in the way that we define it, right. With, which is this. This, this this new way of thinking and being and, and being present in the spirit of love rather than brainwashed and having all these very uh, traditional ideas of of who and what God is and how to get to it, right? And so I love the community, the communal um, worship experience. I love all of those things. And I still might find myself sometimes searching for that. And I think a lot of what um, 2019 represented for me was 
was uh, repairing older relationships, having conversations. Um, at the end of 2019, I found myself going into starting to go to church consistently again. Um, and then I found myself right back there feeling the tug of war between, um, fundamentalism, being confused as like I said before, I'm somebody who is neurodivergent in several different ways and being really confused about where I was, who I was, and what I should be doing. Should I give it all up? <laughs> should I give it all up and um, uh, make um, myself, you know, stop doing everything I had been doing stop drinking, stop listening to secular music, only listen to gospel music, um, go back into fasting, go back into this super duper duper duper, you know, tight environment, just trying to be good enough for God. And should I do all of that? Should I go back into that world? Um, because I always feel that way in that space. Um, it's like, how do I just, just be, and not feel like a guilt-ridden, shameful, decrepit, sinful piece of shit. Um, and the only way to not feel that way is to throw away all of my secular music, only listen to gospel music, wake up every morning and pray at 5 o'clock, um, go join a choir and a praise team, do that. But I realize that that's not what I can keep up with. It's not real. I was having a conversation with my friend today and she was trying to she was trying to say in so many words what I already know and have known from my own experience, which was like that she feels like she needs to do all these things, but she feels like she's closer to God as she is. And that's where I am. Like I am closer to God because I'm my real self. I'm my most authentic self. I am at the core of my being. I am who I am in its fullness. So when I show up to pray, when I show up to meditate, when I start randomly praying out loud or talking out loud, I am all of who I am. I'm not denying my regular, natural, sensible attractions. I'm not pretending I don't curse. I'm not down on my knees, all pretentious. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I come to you right now, God. You've been so good to me, God. I want to give you praise, God. I'm not, I'm not any of that. I am <laughs> nigga. I'm feeling this. I'm in the fullness of all that I am. And... And, and sometimes that is me singing a hymn or me, me moaning and, and me being a spiritual old church mother. And sometimes that is all of me. You know, sometimes, um, you know, my peace comes from orgasming. What? Yeah, sometimes my peace comes from those endorphins. That are released in that moment and, and that dopamine, serotonin, whatever the shit is, you know, that's released in that moment, that sense of nirvana that we feel. And I don't feel no shame about that because I don't hold these ideas and I don't, my relationship to the God of my understanding does not exist in that world. And so cutting off masturbation, cutting off um, sex and sexuality, cutting off attraction, pretending it doesn't exist, cutting off music, which I love that lives in me and as a part of me and has changed my life, all music and, 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 and cutting off all those things. So I can go to a church and participate in a system that has never served me. No, I met God on my bedroom floor. And that thing, that love, that spirit, that energy is ever present in me, including the revolutionary Christ. Present with me. A hair busser. Okay? 
and lives in me. <laughs> Ride on King Jesus. <laughs> no man can hinder me. Come on, somebody. And, um, you know, and, and so that's where I find myself now. And, and I think that's what the fullness of self-acceptance looked like for me. I, I accept all that this is. I've been on atheism's door several times. Been on the doorstep. Got the t-shirt. Sadly, I don't need to be, <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I, that ain't my ministry. That ain't my ministry. Love science, love astrophysics, love all the ideas um, and all the information that comes with intellectualism. Love it. Love it down, boots. Enjoy it a great deal. Um, still open to have so many conversations. Um, but I'm not. I don't. I don't exist in my in my in my faith space in a way to where intellect uh, where, where intellectualism or atheism challenges me. I don't exist in my faith space in that way. <laughs> you don't got to try to preach at me. I don't exist in that way. I don't exist in a way where my belief system, my ideas of the divine are, 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 are end all be all, you know, to the point to where I need to be like out here fighting in the streets with people who don't believe I'm more so concerned with, 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 with what they have to say and why they walked away from the institution because nine times out of 10, it's probably the same. My walk has led me to universal, Unitarian Universalism, which also accepts into that space agnostic people and atheist people. They're welcome there too. Within that space, I have my, my current license, ordination license is through a Unitarian Universalist space. So there, there is, you know, there is, all of that, right, and um, that I think is so complex and it's not black and white. For some people it is. For some people, you know, their energy is dedicated to fighting against uh, the ignorance of fundamentalists. And it's funny to me. And I follow a lot of those atheist TikTokers who go off and I follow some TikTokers who are agnostic and open and interested and and they like the information and the um, the historicity of the of the Judeo Christian religion and all that's cool to me. Um, and so I think what it looks like for me, what 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 the fullness of self acceptance and belief acceptance and defining all of these things for me is is it looks like peace. It looks like I exist in the world as I am, and I'm in the moment. I'm in the presence. I'm in the fullness of who I am, all of it, all of it. And sometimes that looks like, you know, it looks real churchy, sounds real churchy. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it sounds real atheisty. Sometimes it sounds real super intellectual. You sure you believe in God? Sometimes it's, it's you know, it's real sexual. Sometimes it's it's whatever, but all of that is who I am. All of that is the real nigga in me, the real dude, that dude, that everything. And it's in you too. And the fullness of that is what I believe the divine has always wanted to use. Never demanding that you pretend to be anything you aren't. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. Walk in your truth. Truth, power. There's power in truth. There's power in honesty. Um... And with that said, I will see you soon. This has been uh, Surviving Fundamentalism with the Right Reverend Richie X. Um, I'm glad to be back and glad to be with you all. Um, thank you so much for listening. And I will see you soon. So long, farewell to you, my friend. 
Thank you so much for listening to Surviving Fundamentalism with Richie X. This is the podcast where if your God ain't bigger than your Bible, then you most likely gonna have a problem with this shit. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, things you want me to talk about, definitely hit me up on Instagram at Instagram.com slash Surviving Fundamentalism or Instagram.com slash Richie at it again. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to tell a friend, tell your mama, tell your aunties, uh, tell some people that's just questioning, you know, get the people involved, run it up, run the numbers up, okay? And I will be back next week.